podcast, a podcast to tell the stories of and have the conversations with the people who continue to drive the space economy and make space exploration possible. My name is Kelly Kitas Ogborn, and I'm thrilled to have Paul Francis, the founder and CEO of OYO Fitness, join us today. OYO is a personal home gym solution and is one of the fastest growing brands in the fitness industry. The system grew out of Spireflex, which Paul invented as the mission-critical solution for astronaut bone and muscle loss in zero gravity. Spireflex is credited with keeping over 50 crew members in shape on the International Space Station and was recently inducted into the Space Technology Hall of Fame. Paul, I am certainly excited to have you on today and learn more about your journey as an entrepreneur and as a company. Great to be with you, Kelly, and uh, just love what the Space Foundation is doing, and uh, it's very exciting to be talking with you for the next uh, 30 or 45 minutes. Yeah, so are we. So I want to start with talking a little bit about the OYO system, and as I was reading more about you online and, and really getting you know, into the nitty-gritty, I was really intrigued about the underlying technology and approach. And, you know, I personally have used various at-home gym-resistant solutions, you know, especially when traveling and trying to maintain some sort of fitness routine. And yours really seems to pack a lot of punch into an extremely small portable system. I believe it's about two pounds. Um, and I know that the underlying Spiroflex technology was licensed for the Bowflex at-home gym. So I was hoping that you could tell us a bit more about the OYO system and what it does, and what essentially motivated you to design Spireflex and begin to get involved in the space domain. Sure. It's, uh, I, it's a little bit of a long story, but I'll try to make it more of a, a medium story for the podcast. Uh, I was an architect for a number of years and uh, started inventing uh, products on the side, and uh, I decided to become a full-time inventor which in the beginning was a bit of a, a bad idea because I was pretty much essentially broke for a number of years. <laughs> the <laughs> but, entrepreneurial uh, challenge. Yeah, right. Uh, one of the things I was working on was a, a portable gym, and I had come up with uh, an idea to try to duplicate the benefits of free weights in kind of a small portable gym, and I designed these steel power springs in these discs that you could add to a a little gym that I invented. I've got some interest in industry, but then uh, it turned out under life cycle, these steel springs were, were failing at about 10,000 cycles, which is way too low for a uh, consumer product. So I went back to the drawing board and came up with an idea of uh, using a elastomer, like a, a specialized rubber compound that I later developed, in a spiral shape that would give me that rotational uh, torque that I needed uh, for my discs, and uh, then I redesigned the, uh, some of the prototypes. And about that time, I saw an article uh, in the Kent City uh, Star newspaper uh, in the coffee shop below my office where I would hang out a little bit. And Shannon Lucid had just come back from the Mir Space Station and lost a lot of bone and muscle mass and was in you know, pretty bad shape. Dr. Roger Billica was quoted about uh, saying they were looking for countermeasures so I was able to uh, talk to Dr. Abilica, and he invited me into NASA to uh, demonstrate my technology. It started out where I was in this little, uh, almost like a closet uh, during lunchtime, and some of the engineers came in and kind of pulled on the cables. And the next day they called and said, can you come down in two days and make a full presentation at the uh, uh, NASA 
you know, number one administration building at Johnson Space Center. So I arrived with a couple of carousels full of slides. This is just before, you know, we had everything on computers. And this is back in like 97. So at the end of the meeting, uh, you know, the chief engineer, and, and I mean, there was astronauts and flight surgeons and engineers, and they said, look, uh, we, we think we want to fly this. And so then we had a kind of a crash program to deliver the uh, equipment to the space station with the first crew that was going to go up with, you know, Expedition 1 that was scheduled, uh, well, ended up being in, in 2000 when uh, uh, Bill Shepard uh, commanded the first crew uh, on the on, uh, ISS. So then with NASA funding, we were able to really uh, dial in the technology and develop better levels of prototypes, and NASA could test them and then give us feedback. And we ended up with what we call the uh, IRED, the uh, Interim Resistive Exercise Device. And these Spiroflex uh, discs were loaded in each canister uh, on each side of the uh, user, and uh, you would preload them with a crank to set the resistance you wanted, and then a cable came out at the bottom off a spiral pulley, which produced a resistance that uh, felt very much like a uh, plate-loaded machine at a health club. And yeah. we were able to get out about 300 pounds of resistance, which was what was needed to do uh, squats in space to load this uh, musculoskeletal system and the hips and legs, which is where a lot of the uh, 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 bone loss was occurring. So, yeah, so that, that got us uh, uh, up on the space station in 2000. Then we were able to take that technology back to industry and revisit them and show them the improvements we had made. About that time, uh, Nautilus Incorporated, who, who owns the Bowflex trademark, they, uh, uh, the, uh, the original power rod uh, Bowflex was going off patents, and they were looking for a new uh, home gym. And so we ended up doing a licensing uh, deal, and I helped them develop the Bowflex Revolution Home Gym, powered wow. by Spireflex. And then we were able to launch that onto uh, infomercials and uh, retail, and uh, it was it was about the best, I guess, the best selling the home gym for for many years. Yeah. So you your space entrance was kind of a happy byproduct, but it wasn't what you initially had set out to do because you said you were looking more to replace free weights. Right. And, yeah, and uh, reading that article, I, 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 thought, I thought, well, gosh, I think this would work in zero gravity. Obviously, it doesn't need gravity. The trainer for the astronauts, uh, Bill Shepard's uh, wife, she was the squat champion of Texas and uh, really believed in, in free weight resistance as kind of the gold standard for, you know, as a common measure for bone and muscular uh, degradation. But obviously, you know, weights don't work in space. So I was able to kind of sell them on the idea that, you know, this is the best next thing to free weights. And they ended up doing a 16-week study with two groups, one working out with free weights and one working out with the IRED. And at the end of the uh, testing, it turned out that uh, they both uh, produced the same benefits. So that, uh, that really gave us a, a leg up. So, yeah, we were up on the station for 10 years with the IRED. And then in about 2010, uh, NASA installed their A-RED, which was a uh, device about the size of a small uh, car that uh, they had developed, and uh, they took the I-RED off the, uh, the station in about 2011, I believe. Okay. But, uh, uh, but yeah, it was a great, uh, obviously, 
validation of our technology having uh, you know NASA fund us and, and use the technology for 10 years. Yeah. So does each spiral disk have a certain threshold for resistance? Because if the intent is to replace free rates, I think about, you know, people in the gym and some six foot seven, 300 pound guy is going to be able to have a squat rack that's much stronger than mine. Um, so how does that work? Do you add more disks to get more resistance or does each disk have a threshold of resistance within it that can be modified and customized? Kind of, you know, both. Um, so it's a um, kind of like an engine that you can uh, combine in, into different mechanical uh, configurations. So, I call it the series system that we developed for NASA, and all the packs were connected together as one big spring, and then you would preload that spring, and then the spiral pulley would counteract the torque and give you a linear resistance. But then for uh, for Bowflex, I wanted to, to look more like a, a, a weight plate machine that you would have in your home or used to at the gym, and so we packaged each disc uh, individually and, and you would stack them on, you know, 5-pound, 10-pound, you know, 20-pound, 40-pound rated discs. They were really only weighed, you know, ounces or, uh, you know, much less than a pound each. That machine went up to, I believe, about 600 pounds of resistance. And we had a, a cam and, and then a pulley reduction system in there to counteract the torque and give us that linear resistance that would feel like a cable machine at the uh, health club. And then I used that same uh, approach with uh, the OIO personal gym that I later uh, invented, and it also uses uh, separate uh, discs rated at five and ten pounds that you snap on or off to uh, you know vary vary the resistance, and then the lever arm changes as you're using it to counteract the torque. So there's a lot of different ways you can size the discs and package the discs and attach mechanical systems to. Uh, the package to create whatever cable extension or uh, resistance uh, or size or weight that you're you know looking for. That's interesting. Were there any challenges that you you came across in trying to use this system in space? Oh gosh, um, yeah. You know, actually, you know, using it, there wasn't a problem. Um, the only concern I had was when they were off-gassing the uh, elastomer uh, discs because I thought they might off-gas some, something that would, you know, affect the astronauts or particles yeah. would, would break off, you know, when you're using it because you can't have particles floating around the space station because there's no gravity. So the dust doesn't settle so you can sweep it up. It just, you know, uh, floats in air until the filtering system takes it out. Uh, but we passed, you know, all those tests, and they even took it down, to, I think, 30 degrees, like below zero, uh, because there's a chance they would – ship it to Russia, and Russia would ship it on a train through Siberia. <laughs> so, you know, we had to wow. go through all these different, you know, tests and vibration tests and everything. You know, it was uh, built, you know, uh, very sturdy, and uh, we designed it and built it uh, right here in Kansas City with, uh, you know, obviously input from uh, uh, the group there at uh, Johnson Space Center and uh, flight surgeons and engineers and uh, astronauts. Bill Shepard had a, you know, would, would test our prototypes and give us feedback. I've, I've got one, one uh, I don't know if it's a funny story, but it was something that almost you know, turned out to be a, a, a terrible situation. We were in the conference room, and I had, I think maybe it was the second prototype, and uh, we had like 60 people around, and 
I strapped Bill Shepard's feet into this, uh, uh, you know, little portable device, and uh, which is supposed to be like bolted down on the space station, but here it is sitting on carpet in the conference room. And he reached down and grabbed the hand grips and stood up and lost his balance and started to tip over backwards. And everyone's like, oh, my God, I reached for him, and, and he, he – fell backwards, knocking a bunch of conference room chairs uh, aside. Oh, no. And, uh, of course, he's a, a former Navy SEAL, so I think he knew how to fall and, and not hurt himself. And uh, lucky enough, he, you know, he was, he was okay. But <laughs> I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> so, but it was uh, very exciting to, you know, as, as a kid growing up, I watched uh, John Glenn, you know, launch on the first orbital mission and uh, dreamed about being an astronaut myself and, uh, to be involved with, you know, that core group of people there at Johnson Space Center during the development was, was quite a quite a thrill for myself and my team. Yeah, you must have some amazing stories from that. Do you have a favorite company memory that comes to mind? Yeah, you obviously have an extremely yeah. impressive track record to point to, but I don't know if something just really stands out. Yeah, you know, um, obviously I've, I've licensed the technology and worked with Nautilus, and that was uh, – exciting because they you know had to come up with their first product which which was the bowflex uh power rod uh, home gym which was just you know phenomenal success and they built their company pretty much just you know within months and then just a couple of years and then grew uh you know 100 times over and uh i was able to work with the founders of uh, bowflex nautilus and uh you know, negotiate the deal and uh, get our uh, technology uh, developed and packaged and, and you know, invent the Bowflex revolution with them. And so that was, you know, it's just exciting to, you know, work with the people and, and visit with them. And they're, you know, uh, they, they were based in uh, uh, near Portland, Oregon, and, uh, and out by Boulder. So it's just fun to, you know, travel around and meet with these folks and work with their engineers, you know, create something from a white sheet of paper. Yeah. and try to create something that has value where the uh, consumer uh, believes that, you know, it's, it's worth the, the price uh, and that the benefits are worth the price. And so it, it's, it's very hard to come up with that kind of a solution, but we were able to do it a, a few times. But of course, we had a, a lot of failures, but, uh, you know, nobody sees those. <laughs> yeah, they just see the impact, the massive impact that you bring to their life. And that, you know, that's another thing, you know, our reviews that we're getting on, you know, Amazon and uh, OYO Gym, it's you know, great. Most of them are four and five star now. A lot of our users of the OYO Gym right now are older men, you know, over, you know, 50 years old that no longer want to deal with free weights, but, you know, want to get back in shape uh, or have maybe some physical issues or joint replacement. And it's uh, these reviews they talk about, you know, turning their lives around and, uh, and then people that travel, like, you know, they can't, um, you know, stay in shape while they're traveling or, uh, you know. So it's, uh, that's, you know, really, uh, you know, keeps the team, uh, you know, excited and, and motivated. Yeah, that's actually the next question that I was going to ask you, because not all of us mere mortals are fortunate to be astronauts and, you know, deal with the issues that happen in zero gravity with bone density. So, you mentioned, you know, people that travel and people that are aging, but do you have a, tar- a target demographic with OIO, or is it truly customizable where anybody can use it no matter their fitness level? Right. Well, we, we found out that our target demographic is uh, men over 50, 
because the younger guys are telling us that it doesn't have quite enough resistance for them. And of course, because of that, we're uh, this is top secret, so don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong <laughs> forum for that. Yeah, we're we're coming out with a uh, uh, another version that'll be a little more expensive that puts out more resistance. And uh, then we're also coming up with a, a home gym and and uh, and even massagers and other you know uh, personal care devices. So yeah, we want to cover the entire waterfront, but right now the sweet spot as far as the conversions of people that come and, and look at our website and check it out, uh, are men uh, over 50. But uh, it's good. And, and with direct marketing, that's uh, the secret to direct marketing is you can find out who is interested in your products. You can send them the information and the advertisements and not you know, waste money sending it to somebody you know, who yeah. has no interest at all and, and bother them you know, on Facebook or something. You're you're just sending it to people that really, you know, may have a, a direct interest in your product or, or service. Absolutely. So who is it that directly inspires your work? What gets you up and gets you excited to continue to run OIO and, and grow it in the fitness industry? Well, I guess paying the bills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I mean, originally when I first started inventing, uh, you know, I read all the books about, you know, Edison and uh, Howard Hughes, you know, all these great uh, inventors from years ago or you know, big thinkers. Of course, Steve Jobs, I've, you know, read his uh, biography and, and there, there's, you know, usually there's common threads there. But yeah, you know, it's basically just kind of have a an idea that you want to create something and then a passion to do it and then just doing it and, and failing, you know, many times along the way, but always just saying, Hey, you know, this, you know, I, I, I took my drawings in for this personal security device I invented years ago it was my first invention to this little engineering firm in Kansas city. And the, uh, the, uh, the guy who ran the place uh, just started laughing at me and said, you know, look, People are just going to keep sending it to other people because nobody wants, you know, doesn't think this is, you know, you're, you're going to do anything with this thing. You know, it's just so, I mean, you know, starting out, you just have to, you know, find your passion and, and uh, you know, work at it, be able to handle the failures and, and uh, keep the lights on, move ahead. And then if you want to persevere, there's probably a pretty good chance you'll be successful. Absolutely. To, I think it was Winston Churchill that said that, you know, success is walking from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. And surely as an entrepreneur and, and especially as an inventor, you, you don't know if you're going to be successful, but you just have to try. Right, right. Yeah, like a, a Chinese pro proverb, uh, fall down seven times, uh, get up eight. Oh, absolutely. So on that thread then, if all barriers and constraints were removed, what are you curious about right now? What project would you pursue? Oh, gosh, you know, I... I'm just so you know busy trying to make my company successful. Um, I would love, and I've got you know just file drawers you know full of uh, you know new product ideas. Uh, I'd love to build like a little invention factory like uh, what uh, Thomas Edison had in Menlo Park in uh, New Jersey, and just have a lot of really smart people working on a lot of you know great ideas. I mean that. Uh, that would kind of be the the, the most fun walk from idea to idea, and and have people there that could uh, work out the details and do all the really hard work, and I could uh, you know uh, stay up, up uh, with the vision. But 
you know, a lot of inventors, they, you know, call me, oh, I've got this idea, and here, I'll give you the idea, but just, you know, uh, sign this agreement, and then if you make any money on it, you'll give me X amount. And I said, well, look, you know, ideas really aren't worth anything. It's, it's uh, you know, like Thomas Edison said, an idea is, is you know, worth maybe 1%, and, uh, and then it's, a, it's 99% perspiration to, you know, make it work. So, yeah, yeah those are just, you know, some feedback from an uh, inventor that's been doing this for 30, 40 years. <laughs> so as a, as a serial inventor, I'm sure that you get asked a lot how you generate ideas. Do you have any advice? for someone that's sort of out there looking for the next greatest breakthrough? Yeah, originally what I did, uh, I would just, you know, be reading everything and, and checking things out, just trying to expose myself to And then think about, well, this category has gotten to this level. Where's the next step? And then write up a bunch of different product concepts. And then I would uh, research them then I would actually go in and do patent searches. Uh, at the time, you couldn't do any of this online, so I, there was a patent uh, a depository uh, in Kansas City, and I'd go down the basement and just look up the patent numbers and look at them. And then I would uh, take the ones I thought, you know, had potential uh, in the market and could make it, you know, uh, for a uh, cost that, you know, the consumer would, would buy at, and then uh, it was something pr- proprietary that I could get a patent on. And uh, then I would start doing some sketches and designs, and then I would look at those and show them to some people and get feedback. And then, uh, then the ones I thought had some potential, I would uh, develop the prototypes and then go through the process of showing those to people. And then I would take you know drawings or prototypes into uh, trade shows and uh, walk in the booth of the uh, company that is the top you know company in that category and find out who the VP of marketing or the president was and walk up to him and say, Hey, excuse me. And show, you know, show my invention half the time, you know, they'd kind of spin around and, you know, walk away. Uh, but once in a while, you know, they go, oh, let me look at that. And, and really that's how I got into uh, a number of, of these companies, but yeah, you got to get out there and, and uh, knock on doors, hope for the best. Were you always interested in coming up with new ideas, even as a kid? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was the guy looking out the window in class, and the teacher would call, and you had, you had no idea what she was asking. Because <laughs> your mind is somewhere else. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. So going back to your R&D lab or your kind of invention idea factory, what's the next major problem that you want to tackle? So other than an iteration of the OIO system, like you mentioned before, that has a bit more resistance. Is there something that's been top of mind that you really want to go after? I guess to extend uh, OIO Fitness, uh, which stands for On Your Own, to uh, new products that are personal care, uh, personal health, personal fitness. We've got some massagers coming along and some new fitness uh, equipment designs and uh, and then even connecting these to the uh, you know internet, uh, you've seen those you know scooters that are out everywhere you trip over when you're walking around uh, yes. town. And uh, I've never used one, but but basically you walk up to it, you've got the app, and you connect, and you jump on it, and off you go, and it charges you for the time. I'm thinking uh, the OIO gym uh, could possibly be uh, developed into a version where, uh, and we do have a version that we've been have been testing that's. Uh, Bluetooth connected to our app, 
and tracks and, and uh, shares your uh, your workouts. Kind of like the uh, the scooter concept, uh, you could have our OYO gyms, our various you know, types of OYO gyms uh, around the uh, uh, office. Uh, let's say at Apple, uh, Apple provides a sit, yeah. a sit stand desk to every one of their employees, have them in, in the conference rooms. And then uh, w- when you're kind of stressed out and want to get a little quick workout and just walk up to one you see laying there, pick it up and, and just move it at one cycle, it turns on, it connects to your app, and then you can do your uh, workout, just pick a workout uh, uh, on the app and get it done, and then it will uh, upload it and share it. And if your company participates, then you'd get a uh, reward for hitting certain you know, exercise goals. And then the company itself would get a, uh, a rebate from their insurance company you know, if you do X amount of workouts uh, per, per week or whatever. So that, I think, a connected fitness is probably the next thing that we really want to get into. And it'd be kind of a ubiquitous device that would be anywhere you uh, people are, public or private or corporate. Our devices, our OEO devices would be out there and people would just pick them up and connect and do their thing and, and then move on and uh, just stay in shape wherever you are and do it whenever you want to. I see that being extremely beneficial. You know, as more buildings and companies are pushing toward this work-life balance, I know that a lot of the... Um, New buildings in D.C. will offer really nice gyms that have Peloton bikes and, and other systems like that where people can make them customized and personalized. And I think that's a great way to move and a, a good place to go. Yeah, and uh, our SpireFlex technology, you know, enables us to develop these um, you know, small portable devices that are lightweight yet put out uh, enough resistance for both uh, strength training and cardio. And uh, our fitness director, Nick Bolton, has come up with a uh, 60 workouts, 197 exercises that, uh, you know, everything from, you know, uh, high-intensity uh, uh, interval training to uh, uh, treadmill, uh, you know, working out uh, your upper body while you're walking on the treadmill, to indoor bikes, you know, to uh, full-body, uh, you know, uh, squats and leg exercises. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, not enough hours in a day to uh, develop all these ideas. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> So where do you envision your company 10 years from now? You know, it's a, it's a good thought. Whether I'm still with the company or, you know, maybe Google wants to buy it, you know, because I just bought the Fit, Fitbit recently yeah. uh, uh, and I can be maybe an advisor. But, yeah, the next, you know, five years, uh, I'd love to see us, uh, as I said, with uh, a whole line of uh, portable uh, health and fitness products that uh, connect and uh, people are able to use them, you know, anywhere, anytime they want, and then track and, and share uh, their success, which in the end, you know, uh, people will live longer and, and be more mobile as they grow older, which is where it all started is up in space when you're floating around and your body uh, loses all bone and muscle mass because you don't need it anymore because you're just floating, uh, which is fine if, you, if you're never going to come back to gravity. Uh, which is the same thing that happens to people on Earth. They sit around at their desk all day, uh, yeah. sun and dairy, and uh, they're losing bone and muscle mass, and then they wonder why you know, they've got to use a walker or they get a knee replacement or uh, they've got all these physical problems and they're stuck you know, in some bed and laying there in some nursing home, and their mind you know, is still alert, but they're in you know, physical 
yeah. know, break break down. <laughs> so really, uh, uh, exercise is, is really the only you know fountain of youth, uh, both mentally and physically, by doing strength training and, and cardio and, and just being active uh, every day. Absolutely. Are your systems available in big box stores or only online? Right now, we're only uh, online. We're on Amazon and then uh, uh, oyofitness.com. We've got some distribution around the you know, world, but it's, it's pretty much all uh, direct uh, marketing. Uh, we are looking to, to talk to some of the you know, brand-name big boxes. And uh, now that we've developed a brand, uh, people know who we are, so they come into the big box store and they you know, immediately know what it is, and uh, they can even try it out. So, yeah, that's, that's on the agenda. That's within the next 10 years, next five years. Yeah, hopefully within the next uh, next six months. <laughs> Perfect. Even closer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there something about the future that you're really excited about? And this question can either be within your company um, or within like a certain domain or a technology trend that you're just really eager to see how it progresses. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh... You know, I think the smartest guy since Steve Jobs is this uh, Elon Musk. I mean, the guy, you know, creates this electric car company that is just, uh, I mean, uh, basically I think all cars will be electric uh, in the next, you know, 10 years because the, uh, you know, having a motor uh, with the the torque and the, uh, obviously there's no emissions, uh, at least from the car, and the quietness of it and, uh, uh, of the cost and the simplicity of a electric motor versus a you know a piston motor is like you know, the the old radial engine uh, aircraft engines versus a uh, jet engine. You know, I think he's you know, and then of course with SpaceX, you know what they've done to lower the cost of uh, space travel, uh, that it just blew me away. Uh, and then of course he just came out with that uh, that uh, pickup truck, which <laughs> has turned the whole. Uh, the world upside down for the uh, the pickup truck market, I think, in the next uh, two years. But yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, I just enjoy seeing what other people are doing and, and hope I can uh, keep, you know, uh, our company and, and people uh, excited and moving ahead. And uh, it's, uh, you know, this is a great time to be alive. Absolutely. And I can actually see a lot of your next progression of products becoming relevant again for space exploration because as we're pushing more toward colonization and further, you know, creature comfort of habitation and keeping astronauts healthy in new and different ways is going to become increasingly more relevant. Um, so you may find yourself in the space domain for in, uh, in new products for years to come. Yeah, I, I hope so. And, and uh, of course, in the beginning, that's what NASA told us was that they had to learn how to live in space because uh, what going to Mars is, is a year and a half to get there and six months mm-hmm. to get back or, yeah, absolutely. So, and Mars is what has two thirds the gravity of, of Earth. So, when you get there, you've been in zero g for a year and a half, and uh, yeah. now you've got to walk on the gravity and, and survive. So they have to figure, you know, a, a countermeasure to keep everybody fit and strong uh, during that year and a half. And uh, hopefully, we can, you know, play a part uh, in that too. Absolutely. So we're coming up close to our time. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Or anything else you'd like our listeners to know about either you or OYO or the future? I, you know, I think I, I pr- pretty much said everything uh, I can think of. Um, I just want to say I, I appreciate what the Space Foundation is doing, and I was able to go to your first, to my first uh, show. Uh, 
uh, event or what, what do you call the, the, the space? Oh, the space symposium. Yeah, the symposium in uh, Colorado Springs last uh, spring where we, we got the uh, Space Technology Hall of Fame uh, uh, award. I had no idea that, you know, how many, there's 5,000 people show up for that and there's, uh, you know, everyone from uh, obviously NASA, Boeing, you know, SpaceX, I mean, anyone that's anyone in the uh, space area, uh, military, uh, foreign governments. I mean, everybody's there. I mean, it just blew me away. Yeah. I'm just excited to be. It's uh, it's great. I'm, I'm uh, just very fortunate to be involved in all this, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, we're happy to have you involved, and I really want to thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your story um, and telling us a little bit about OIO. Uh, great interview. Uh, good questions, and uh, really enjoyed uh, talking with you and, and uh, your Space Foundation uh, group today. And that concludes this episode of the Space Foundation Space for You podcast. Please engage with us on our social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. There will be more episodes coming your way, and you can also check us out at www.spacefoundation.org. Thank you for listening today and joining us. Mm-hmm.